welcome to the Film Pulse Podcast. This is episode number 296. My name's Adam Patterson. With me today, we got Kevin Rakestraw. How are you, Kevin? Uh, not too bad. Yeah, it's good to hear. Yeah. That's good. This week on the show, we'll be talking about Robert Schwenke's The Captain, along with some we watching on the watch list and going over this week's new releases in theaters, VOD and Blu-ray. First up, a couple of news items to discuss. Uh, we released our first episode of Saved by the 90s, our new podcast. So be sure to check that out. Again, it is on its own feed. So if you just go into iTunes or whatever uh, podcast service you prefer, it should be on there. Search for Saved by the 90s. And you'll know that it's ours because A, the logo is way better than all the other ones on there. And B, it's actually grammatically correct. Cause I, oh, for real? I found Is there numerous I found out that there are like some dead podcasts that are that were also called Saved by the Nineties. Uh which okay. I swear when we were deciding the name, I looked and I didn't see any, but somehow I missed a couple of them. They're not active anymore, and most of them they, they either don't put an apostrophe in 90s at all or they put it after 90 so 90 apostrophe s which is uh, mm. not correct so yeah at any rate be sure to subscribe to the new show on itunes again we cover july 1993 in the first episode and talk about live action kids movies it was really fun to do and we're already uh getting things set up for august we're going to be covering 1997 in August. And if you can, follow us on Twitter and Facebook. We're at 90s pod on Twitter. And we've been very active on Twitter. We've been posting a lot of like 90s related stuff. And it's been really fun to really kind of take a deep dive into everything. Yeah, I, learned that they, I learned that they brought the Oreos cereal back. Yeah, man, they did. They brought that back. Yep. I didn't know. I didn't know that. I learned that from you. Yeah. I was at the grocery store yesterday. Did you buy them? I, re I did. Yeah. The picture is. Yes. I took that picture. <laughs> I took that picture. That's my box that I posted on there. And yeah, they are exactly how I remember them. I was going to include it in the tweet, but I didn't. Uh, they used the original recipe, so they kept the same recipe that they used in the 90s when they introduced the cereal. And it's uh, it's exactly how I remember. Nice. Which, which is to say it's not... I, I guess the one difference is I remember it being a lot better than like oh, yeah. eating it now. I'm just like, eh, it's all right. You know, but back then I remember just loving it. Well, yeah, I mean, like as a kid, the idea of eating a bowl of of like essentially crushed up Oreos is. Yeah. I mean, that was high on the list of like great things that could happen to you. Yeah, I mean, your your taste buds change over time, too. And I think that it's just it's well, I think not... there's also you're, you're being older, you kind of you. you you judge yourself more. Yeah. Obviously. Could be, yeah. And you just, you're just like, why am I, I'm an adult. Why am I doing this to myself? Yeah, definitely. Definitely. It's a shame. Yep. So check that out. Uh, we've been having a, a really good time doing it. 
So Saved by the 90s is the name of the show. Twitter at 90s pod. Two big items that I just wanted to briefly touch on that uh, film Twitter was just like lose. They were talking a lot about these these two things. First one being Movie Pass. Uh, Movie Pass <laughs> is uh, going down in flames. Uh, uh, so we're recording this Sunday. Thursday, people who are subscribed to Movie Pass found out that it was not working. It was not working at all. And the reason was that they ran out of money. So they couldn't buy the tickets for people to go see movies. So mm-hmm. that's one thing they get. So they end up getting like a, a like $6.4 million loan or something, emergency loan. And mm-hmm. then I guess everything was back on track for a little bit. And then <laughs> until people start buying movie tickets. Yeah. yeah so so yesterday, I don't know, maybe it was Friday. So Thursday was when people couldn't use it. Then Friday, people were trying to go see Mission Impossible. You know, that's the big mo- new movie of the weekend. People want to mm-hmm. use their movie pass that they pay a monthly fee for to go see Mission Impossible. And they find that, oh, we can't see Mission Impossible. And the CEO of Movie Pass came out with a statement saying like, Oh, it's just like movies on demand. You know, you can't see all the new movies that uh, get released. So we're, we're the same way. We can't offer it with all movies. And it's just like, what is, come on. Like, I, th- I think people would have more respect for MoviePass if they were just like, yeah, we're broke. Like we anticipated that everybody would want to go see Mission Impossible and we don't have enough money. So we decided to not let people go see Mission Impossible. Yeah. Because it's clear. I mean, that's clearly the reason. Mm-hmm. They didn't want to lose that emergency <clears throat> investment, you know, that inflush of cash, the $6 million or whatever. They didn't want to lose all of it the, the next day. Yeah. I mean, I, I give them a couple more months at most. They, they, they seem to be going down very fast. I mean, especially with AMC offering their unlimited uh, subscription, which is so much better. I signed up for it a couple weeks ago, and it paid for itself after one movie. So, yeah, uh, if you have AMC theaters near you, it's a complete no-brainer to go with that one over MoviePass. Yeah. It's like the AMC A-list, it's... 20 bucks a month and you get to see three movies a week. And that includes like Dolby and uh, IMAX and all of the other like specialty, you know, 3d and all of that stuff. Yeah. Which I mean, movie pass currently is $10 a month for one movie, one movie a day, I think. So yeah. Rip. Rip movie pass. <laughs> uh, I remember when they first introduced the, like the surge pricing, and Blake quickly pointed out on Twitter how broken the whole thing was, and it caused him to dump it pretty much right away. Like they were, they were falsely uh, saying that movies were surging when they were clearly not. Oh, yeah. No. Yeah. This is this is the. Uh... 
this is the time frame when you when you start to see them get uh, a bit creative but trying to keep that money. I remember when MoviePass was first introduced. It was a lot more expensive. It was like 30 or it was like 30 to 50 dollars a month. I remember it was a lot. And they eventually dropped the price. And for for a time, remember it was like 6 dollars a month or something. It was crazy mm-hmm. and then they the, and then they had that deal where it was like ten dollars a month and you get fandor with it too <laughs> they were just they were trying everything but as soon as i moved to new york i was like uh, i was over the whole movie pass thing because in new york it doesn't work great just because of uh most of the theaters here are reserved seating and most of the theaters are amc so with MoviePass, you couldn't do reserved seating. At You could do it with some theaters, but most of them in the city, you couldn't do it. So I was like, yeah, forget that. Anyway, the other big thing that I wanted to just briefly touch on was this Disney-Fox merger that seems to be happening. It's $71.5 billion dollars. I just wanted to get your take. Like, what do you think about the idea of Fox and Disney, two two of the biggest media empires merging into one giant monster? Not good. It is not good. I, you know, not it's good. funny. Like on Twitter, you see all these people like excited for the idea of. Oh, you know, like the, 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 they're, they're only thinking about the superhero aspect of it. (laughs) Like, that's it. They're just like, oh man, like we can have like Spider-Man and Wolverine and well, Spider-Man, Sony, we can have like Wolverine fighting alongside Captain America. That's a good example. That's a better example. Uh, but that's only such a small sliver of what this could mean. Everything else is probably horrible. Like to to create a company of this size with this many franchises and properties, I think that it is probably going to be terrible for the consumer. I think it's also going to be terrible for the workers. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. They're going to get fucking fleeced. The thing is, you know, they're all excited for these like superhero crossovers shit or whatever and i mean the fuck they they dominate the goddamn movie theaters enough as it is imagine them but you know melding their forces together just fucking taking over movie theaters and every week it's just gonna be like four different just ridiculous crossovers that no one wants they're just gonna just jam them in there that's the thing like you think about it and you're like oh man it would be cool to see this property meet that property. And yeah, it probably would be cool for like the first year maybe. And then once they start running out of ideas, they have to keep doing it because they're, they're in that like moment. They have that momentum going and they essentially reshaped the, the climate of movies. And now you are struggling to fit these, you know, fill in these gaps where you, need to find more properties to introduce and reboot and uh it's it's just gonna be I I don't know if it could go through. I, I feel like that there could be like an antitrust case or something 
against just, against it's, that. It's gonna be it's gonna be fucking exhausting. I mean, like those companies are so big. I I just I can't imagine that our government would be like, yeah, that's fine, that's cool. You guys can create this conglomerate. This they don't care anymore. They're just gonna own the world. Pretty much. All right, that's the news. <laughs> it's so awful. Yeah, little uh, little depressing. But let's get let's get even more depressing, shall we? And talk about the captain. Oh yeah, I forgot. <laughs> mm-hmm. So this is written and directed by Robert Schwenke. I have a synopsis here. In the last moments of World War II, a young German soldier fighting for survival finds a Nazi captain's uniform. Impersonating an officer, the man quickly takes on the monstrous identity of the perpetrators he is trying to escape from. Now I have a uh, review for this up on the site. I think I I reviewed this for uh, Cinepocalypse that that happened in Chicago a month or two ago. So we'll start with you, Kevin. Mm-hmm. What are your thoughts on the Captain? Um, overall, pretty solid film. Uh, I was I think the the number one thing that struck me is who this director is because mm-hmm. I just figured that he was like. <laughs> I just figured he's some German guy that I've probably never heard yeah, of. Yeah, no. And this was probably like his second film or something. But uh, he, that's not the case. No, he did uh, Red and R.I.P.D. <laughs> like <laughs> The guy who did Red and R.I.P.D. It's, it's that guy. Does this. We're sure. It is definitely that guy. Because that's when I was writing this review... Because when I first watched the movie, I was like, ah, Robert Schwenke, that sounds really familiar. That name sounds familiar, but I couldn't place him. So after watching it, I immediately looked him up and I was like, oh my God, it's the guy that did Red and RIPD. I liked Red, but this movie... Because yeah, yeah. what was the last two? The, what is it? The Divergent? Yeah, yeah. He did, did uh, he did Insurgent. He did Insurgent and Allegiant. Because I thought maybe this was one of those things where, like, he, the director shared the name of that director, and, <laughs> and they kind of got through some yeah, sort of we, like we've coding error. Yeah, <laughs> we've we've seen that before. Got pushed together, but no, okay, it's that it's that guy. Yeah, it is legit. Guy. Legitimately, the guy who did two of the Divergent movies made this uh, black and white German language. Very uh, dark World War II movie. Yeah, that's bizarre. And and the thing about the thing that makes it even more bizarre is when you look at his other films, they all have a very sleek, uh, stylish kind of mainstream vibe, whereas this one feels way more artistic and like sort of visually arresting compared to the other ones, which are just kind of glossy and. You know, very by the numbers as far as creative flourishes. Yeah. Whereas this movie, I I feel at least, has a lot of visual flourishes to it that uh, those other ones just definitely don't have. No, I don't see a lot of similarities between those movies. I think I think so that that's just crazy to me. Yeah, I don't. I'm having a tough time moving past that. <laughs> <laughs> I'm trying my best. Uh, 
I mean, after seeing this, I'm like, oh, damn, like, I, I hope that this movie opens doors for him and allows him to make more kind of creative, uh, edgier movies. Like, I, I feel like maybe he was like a hired gun or something on those other movies. And this was like, because he wrote this too. And, and this is, maybe this is him making what he wants to make rather than just, yeah. you know, paycheck. But I, I don't know. Yeah. Again, now, to, to just to be clear, the, I think that his, some of his other movies are are fine. Like I again, I liked Red. Um, I did not like R.I.P.D. and I didn't see any of the Divergent movies, but Red was good. Oh, oh, I didn't like. He did so Flight Plan too. I didn't like Flight Plan either. And he did. Oh my god, I didn't know that. Yeah, and he did the Time Traveler's <laughs> Wife. Oh. <laughs> the Time Traveler's Wife. <laughs> Dude, this is I think we I think we had joke. Ryan watch that. <laughs> I think we did. <laughs> uh, Jesus Christ. Yeah, that's kind of that's fucking nuts. Um the one of the, the really the only thing I kind of knew about this outside of like what you told me about how you know he found the uniform or whatever, and then he could just kind of impersonates this captain for the rest of the film. Um is I I think from you and a couple other people I've seen on Twitter, they were talking about like the, the, the dark humor in this movie, which I had like, I, I didn't find any humor and it wasn't just that like, okay, I've recognized that this was supposed to be funny and I just didn't find it funny and I didn't laugh. It was just like, I didn't recognize anything as like attempts at dark humor. Um, I, it's subtle. There's the. It's not like overt jokes or anything. But I feel like the humor comes from, uh, a the first guy that he meets that joins him. I feel like that guy is just inherently funny, especially just just his reactions and the things he says. And then, just I thought it was funny, like the. Uh, like the conversations that he would have, like in the, when he first goes to the camp and it, it makes those phone calls and just how he schemes to make this whole thing work and fool everybody. Uh, that sequence where he's making the phone calls and getting the phone calls and talking to the guy from the other across the, the, the building next to his and stuff. I thought that was humorous. It wasn't like there weren't jokes in it or anything, but yeah. there were a number of, uh, uh, lines that made me chuckle or mostly reactions, but I can't think of anything specific other than the ones I mentioned. Cause it's been, it's been a few, it's been a while since I've seen this actually. But, um, I think that one thing that a lot of people, are probably referencing, I don't know if it, maybe not. I, I don't want to speak for other people, but the end is definitely something that, and I don't want to give it away, but the uh, sort of the end credit sequence that happens, uh, mm. like I think that that is one thing that maybe people want to talk about, but sort of don't for fear of spoilers. So what did you think of the, what did you think of it overall? You liked it overall? I, uh, I'm like a like a slight lean. 
into the like category. Didn't love it. And like it, like it, like it. Uh, I'm just kind of indifferent to it. I don't fucking know. I really, <laughs> so like, I really enjoyed it. I, I was really impressed with it. I lo- I thought that they made good use of the black and white. I thought that there were a few uh, specific shots that looked uh, amazing. When you see the the one poster for this with them dragging the car, yes. uh, that sequence I thought looked amazing with that sort of uh, wide angle shot of them pull, pulling him in his car. Just to step back a little bit to to expand on the um, the synopsis. So you have uh, Max Hubacher, who is a he plays a twenty year old private in the German army during World War II who defects. So the film opens with him running for his life, and other Nazi soldiers are shooting at him, trying to kill him for being a defector, and he escapes. And after a, a series of events, he stumbles onto an abandoned car and there's a captain's uniform and he puts it on and he's sort of just fucking around. That was another, I thought, funny moment where he's just like pretending, like walking around out in the street, pretending to be a captain. And then this other guy who may or may not also be a defector finds him and joins up with him. And then eventually he just starts getting recruits joining him and he's grows this uh the squad what does he call it a task force mm-hmm. um uh willie's task willie's force. task force Herald. yeah task force Herald. his name is willie Harold, and he ends up fooling everybody everybody he makes contact with other captains he fools and this is based on a true story so it's absolutely incredible to see that this this is something that he somehow he was able to do because the dude is just so i mean he he seems like a sociopath but he's also very charismatic and very well, I think, very conniving i think the first thing that would have tipped me and i think maybe this played into it too is that uh like when he cleans himself up he looks like he's like 17 mm-hmm. years old so yeah I think I would question that. But then at the same time, you're thinking if he's that young and he's a captain, then maybe he does have like big time connections. So maybe you don't want to question it. I think just essentially all this comes down to is no one wants to question anything. I think for like, for me, one of the most interesting aspects of the film was the exploration of the character of Willie, because the decisions that he makes seem just so random and all over the place. And you're like, is is he like going mad with power? Is he just trying to like fuck with everybody and just see how far he can take it? Is he like deranged? It, it It's just well, it's such an interesting big, character study. I think that another big part of it is that he, like he has to put on a show because they're already, there's that initial seed of, you know, he can see it in people's faces probably that they're they're questioning him a little bit, like, is this guy really a captain? Yeah. So he has to kind of like overcompensate right. and show that he's no nonsense. Yeah. That way no one questions it. Yeah. At, at first it's all self preservation. Right. So like he when the first guy recognizes him as a captain, he's just like, Okay, well, 
I, I just got to go with this. I don't know if this guy's a deserter also, or if, you know, what, what this guy's deal is. So I, I got to just go with it. And then I think he probably also thinks, well, this guy's going to help me get to where I need to go. So he, then he ends up, they get stopped along the side of the road by another group of, uh, of men and or i guess no sorry yeah they go sorry, to the, yeah the he farm. goes back to this this farm that they that he started at and then he ends up picking up another crew of people there who i think were also deserters but it was like one of those things where it's like they didn't want to tell each other like they're like well, i don't know if this guy's the real deal or not like i think that the the head guy yeah, of that, that squad that like he knew he knew right away but he also knew that that gave him the ability to do whatever he wanted. Yeah. And those guys were just complete psychos. And then they get stopped at this uh, by, um, it's like a caravan. Like a, yeah, an MP caravan. And that's when I think that he pushes it even further in his, man, his self-preservation mechanism just really kicks in and then it just kind of snowballs from there after they end up at this, uh, this prison, which is the, I think the, the last open prison. Cause this takes place at the very, very end of the war. So there's one prison that's still open and uh, it, it's, they transported all of the um, traders and people that they said were traders and, and uh, criminals supposed criminals to this prison camp and he just man from there he just goes goes nuts but the other thing that was kind of interesting is they did kind of leave when he gets to the camp and uh you know they're kind of excited for him to be there because everything's kind of tied up in in paperwork or whatever so they think that he's showing up to you know start getting things moving along, get some court martials going. <clears throat> and uh, they end up doing not court martials. And, but the way in which they did that is it, it never really, I never really got the idea that that was his idea. Like he planned all of that out. He just kind of gave them this, this, this feeling of assurance that like, he was responsible for it that you know he was in charge and that they had they had the power to do this and they kind of just came up with their own thing yeah because at first when they started doing that he seemed disturbed by it like he seemed like oh this is not really what i wanted to do but then he he sort of doubles down on it like he's just like all right well i guess i just need to take on this persona full on now and he gets even more deranged with it and I think that after that event that takes place in the camp I think that's where he sort of loses himself and just becomes drunk on the power yeah. once he realizes like uh, I have the power to just take anyone's life that I want and no one can stop me and I have like complete carte blanche to do that yeah and that's when he just goes completely nuts. The there's the scene that happens at the towards the very end um, involving 
the allies coming in and, and sort of putting the, the finishing touches on, uh, on Germany. And that scene look, was so, you see it in the trailer actually, but it looked so awesome. I thought the the bombing scene, mm-hmm. that looked so good. There was just a lot that I really liked about this movie. It was at times very disturbing. Uh, as I said, I think it was l- maybe last week when I mentioned it. Um, it is a World War II movie and we are focused on the Nazis. And so they do some pretty horrible things to people. And the main character, Willie, does really atrocious well, things. I think that was like one, the one thing that I found interesting is how they kind of twisted it where when he got to the camp, you know, in this this uh, group of individuals that's kind of like tagged on to him as being like the the savior that was really going to help him out. And then the, the other, was it like two or three guys that were kind of high up that were like, no, we can't do this. We have to do it by the book. You know, we have to get authorization and da-da-da-da-da. And... I thought that was interesting where you're taking Nazis and having them like try to be the moral compass against other Nazis. Cause you're like, well, you're just all fucking Nazis. Yeah. But <laughs> they're all still they Nazis. They have like three guys where they're like, this is disgusting. We can't be doing this. I don't want to be party to this. And it's like, it's like, it's the end of the war. Like, I'm pretty sure you've done worse things than this. Yeah. 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 It's, uh, there's, there's some rough, pretty rough stuff that happens in it, but. Plus it also just seemed wildly, uh, inefficient. Yeah. It, it did a lot of the things, a lot of things did. It's so eventually he, they, uh, they sort of go on this, this tear through Europe and, which is even crazier when when uh, Willie when Willie gets set loose and he just has this like ragtag group of psychopaths that just are taking taking over every town that they go into and just stealing everything and running amok through the country. It's it's a crazy story, and I don't know if you saw what happened like at the the end when they. Uh, the sort of uh, end cap where they tell you what happened to him in real life. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Somehow I yeah. feel like it's a fitting end to him. Like something that ridiculous that would happen. Got the fucking guillotine. <laughs> yeah, it's a crazy story, uh, but definitely one that I that I recommend checking out. So I gave the captain an eight out of ten. I was. Really impressed did, with it. One other thing I will, I, I forgot to voice my agreement with you, is the I did enjoy the uh, black and white cinematography. I think there was a lot of stuff in there that I think they utilized it really well. Especially the, the like the towns, like the deserted towns and stuff, and the countryside. Yeah, and uh, the opening titles, uh, the title cards I liked a lot too. The red. Yeah, when it hits you with that, the cap. Yeah. Like 10 minutes in. Yeah. Love that. I got I got tricked. I got like I got tricked because there's the 
the, the what happens at the camp. And then there's this kind of like this inner title that comes up and it says, you know, like what what the camp is now. Mm-hmm. And I was like, oh, movie's over. Oh, that yeah, that was a that was a really cut to they cut to something and they're like still doing stuff. I'm like, wait, is it like is the movie over and this is just like an extra scene or is the movie still going? That was actually a really uh, interesting thing. How at one point they do cut to the camp now and it's in color. They sh- they shoot yeah. they shoot that in full color, and and then they go back to the black. Which is ah, I love it. It was so I I actually because the the fact that like the delayed title card, uh, it it struck me in such a way that like I immediately paused the uh, the movie because I, I got a screener for this and it was 24 minutes so they dropped the title card 24 minutes into the film which uh, okay. I love right. I loved that the uh, the new movie that's coming out the Panos Cosmatos movie Mandy they dropped the, uh-huh. they dropped the title card for that like an hour in <laughs> it's so ridiculous they do it on purpose wow. too just just to be uh just to be ridiculous. Anyway, that's that's the captain. What are you going to give it out of 10? I give it like a 6 and a half. All right. So maybe a maybe a light recommend. It's that, it's a light recommend, yeah. Okay. All right. I'll accept it. <laughs> yeah, I have to. There's nothing you can do about it. Uh so the captain is playing in limited release right now, so check it out if you uh if you can see it in your area, I would I would recommend seeing it on the big screen if you can. I uh, no. <laughs> uh, all right, let's talk about something we're watching on the watch list, Kevin. I think we'll start it with you this week. Uh, I'm gonna do it just real quick. Rewatch the Burbs. Oh, yeah, one of my all time all time favorites. Burbs rewatch. Didn't like it that much this time around. What? Yeah, it was, it was kind of disappointing. Oh my god! I, I don't I don't know what it was. It's just I did like the. I still a big fan of like the the escalation at the end, and I still love that scene where he's like he loses. Tom Hanks loses it on his neighbors, and then <laughs> perhaps one of my favorite things ever is when he sits down on the on the stretcher and he's like take me to the hospital <laughs> yeah <laughs> one does it right away so he picks it up <laughs> he puts he it in it. <laughs> <laughs> and he lays with his face down <laughs> oh god that's still great uh i don't know i think the thing that kind of rubbed me the wrong way was this uh art i don't for whatever reason art i just found really irritating this time around which I know is kind of the point of art. He he's annoying, but like, mm, he just he got on my nerves. Hmm. Yeah, that I mean, the Burbs is one that I will rewatch constantly. And I, and- I still have like the 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 twist ending at just is so dumb and just so terribly executed. It's like they just didn't care anymore we talked about this before in the show they actually shot like four or five different endings because they they even up until shooting the ending they didn't have an ending for that movie 
They had a yeah, so shows. there was there was like a whole bunch of different ones. There was one where like the Clopex really didn't do it and they were just being paranoid. There was one where the Clopex killed a bunch of cheerleaders. There was one where like they found the bodies inside the house. There there was like all of these different endings. And I think that the original one that they were going to go with was one that the Clopex didn't do it. Yeah. It's just it seemed really weird to have him like get in the ambulance and be like, I want my skull back. Like you could have just left it alone. And why are you gonna have a car? How many skeletons are you gonna put in the trunk of your car? Yeah. That's just that's just dumb. It's like it's like a hundred people in the trunk. Yeah. <laughs> it's just I mean, you've been doing it long enough that you would think that you figured some things out. You know, you streamline this process if you're a hundred people deep into your killing. Yeah. The I think the original one was that they didn't do it and the studio was like, no, nah, we got to make them be, be guilty. <laughs> they have to be awful. Because the whole thing was supposed to be about Tom Hanks being laid off and him sort of having a nervous breakdown because he, got, he yeah. got fired from his job, which in the final version of the film, they didn't even touch on that at all. Yeah. You can't make the, the American suburban worker the bad guy yeah so i I do agree with you that the ending is it's doesn't it's just it doesn't really work with the rest of the movie and it's just it's really bizarre too because it just like right after the best part of the entire movie where he just sulks his way into that ambulance (laughs) forcefully it just like from that point on it's just like ah, we don't fucking know what to do gotta end this thing yeah, I think uh, the in the one cut it was he gets in a fight with Art, and they get in like this this big fight at the end, and that, that's sort of like the end of the movie. Either way, uh, the Blu-ray talks a lot about the different endings, and they have the work print version on there with the different endings. So if you're curious, I would say check out the Blu-ray, the Burbs. I might have to. Uh, I saw Mission Impossible Fallout. Ooh. Loved it, Kevin. Ooh. I loved this movie. It's so good. Oh my god. So I I like I like all of the Mission Impossible movies for the most part. Mission Impossible 2 is certainly the weak spot. I think most people will agree with that. But since then they just keep progressively getting better and better and better we're at the sixth one now uh and this one it when i saw when rogue nation came out a couple years ago i was like oh man that's the best that's the best one maybe since the first one this one i feel like is the best one maybe the first one still holds a special place for me but this is just such a pitch perfect action thriller. Uh, it is nearly nonstop action. This movie's like two and a half hours long, and it is just balls out in the lumberyard. It just goes nuts. And the action is so good, so satisfying. And there's all these twists and turns and double crosses and 
you just, you don't know who's on what side. And I mean, you, you pretty much do, but people are just changing it up on you. And the, uh, all, all of the characters in this, even the, uh, the, like the minor characters that they pull in, like Angela Bassett and Alec Baldwin's characters and, uh, Michelle Moynihan's back in this one, just across the board, uh, excellent work and the action scenes man you go see a mission impossible movie for the the high impact action and this just delivers on it it's so much fun so i highly recommend checking out mission impossible fallout because it is it's an utter blast and i think even you would be like holy shit this movie is pretty fucking badass i mean i've i've only seen i saw the first one that's it I don't know why I've nothing really kept me from the other ones. I don't know why I didn't see them, but I did like the very first one. But I, yeah, I've heard nothing but good things about this one. Yeah, it's you know, it's um, it, it. I would say if you do revisit the series, that you should, probably should see them in order. Uh, this one, sir, if you see this one, I mean, you definitely have to see Rogue Nation, the last one. Um, because it it sort of carries over from the events of Rogue Nation. Mm. There was, I completely forgot about Ghost Protocol, which was the one before Rogue Nation. And I was like sitting here figuring it out. I'm like, this is the fifth, this is the fifth one. And I'm like, wait a minute. No, this is the sixth one. (laughs) There's six of these movies that came out. Yeah, that's wild. And six of them. They're all like, they're all so good and they get, you know, Brad Bird directed one and J.J. Abrams and John Woo and Christopher McQuarrie directed the last two. And you have these like solid directors, you know, lending their talents to this franchise. And then, you, of course, you have Tom Cruise who, you know, whatever, say what you will about him as a person, but he he's a great actor and he is really great at doing action films and you know, his, him bringing his like sort of uh, daredevil thrill seeker personality to a movie like this, where he's just doing the dudes like in his fifties and he's like doing some of the craziest stunts, like stuff that I would never <laughs> attempt to do. And he's just killing it on screen, jumping out of planes and from buildings and getting in these crazy fights the the combat like the fighting in this was really good but the car chases were just so good and i'm not even a big car chase guy and the car chases in this movie are just absolutely thrilling so again mission impossible fallout check it out because it it is it is something i was worried about that runtime too i'm like oh my god two and a half hours two and a half hours yeah damn I don't know about it, that shit. I'm telling you, it's like nearly nonstop action, though, which is, it sounds like it would be exhausting, but it just keeps you on the edge of your seat the whole time. Well, after I watched the first five, <laughs> circle back around. <laughs> just Check don't let part two, I'm, I'm afraid, because if you start with part two, you're going to be like, oh man, this is not, this is not great. But they get, they get progressively better with each entry. They're just pure fun, man. They're just pure fun. I'm I'm down for that. I like that. 
I'm a big fan of fun. Love it. Love fun. Uh, the other movie that I watched is not really not fun at all. Um, called The Legend of the Holy Drinker. This is from Hermano Only from 1988. Now, what I didn't know about this, I watched this on movie, by the way. It's on there. Um, I didn't know that this stars Rutger Hauer. So that was a surprise right off the bat. I was not expecting to see Rutger Hauer in an 80s Italian film. <laughs> but wow, does he give a really great performance in this. Uh, he plays a drunkard. He, uh, he lives under a bridge, sleeps under there, runs into this guy. says, you know, you look like you're in some trouble. Here's 200 francs. And he's like, this is the only thing you had to do. Okay. Once you get 200 francs that you're able to repay me, he's like, just go to the church after mass on Sunday and give the money to uh, St. Teresa in there. He's like, okay, yeah, I can do that. Of course, he keeps getting every time he tries to go to mass on Sunday and repay the money because he keeps coming into money. He just keeps getting money. Everything just starts. He just starts having this wonderful life where he's always got money for food and drinks and he loves drinking. He's a huge fan of drinking. And he's running into old friends, old lovers. He's just having a fucking ball. But every time he goes on Sunday to try and, you know, repay, he gets sidetracked because he runs into an old friend or something. And then it uh, kind of turns into a nightmare for him. But Rutger Howard's performance in this is, uh, it's quite something. Like, he plays a really good drunk. And most of his acting is just, it's really, it's really facial. Like, his, he's mostly acting with his eyes. These bloodshot, bloodshot eyes. And he's just always kind of in this either like super drunk or like a little bit tipsy. Mm -hmm. But he's always somewhere in that spectrum of drunk. Mm, Okay. What's the name of this again? The Legend of the Holy Drinker. The Legend of the Holy Drinker starring Rutger Hauer on movie. Check it. I love Rutger Hauer. I think he's underrated. I think because like he, he has been in some not great things. Uh, he, I, I feel like he doesn't get a fair shake all the time. Yeah, I mean, it didn't for me. I didn't know that, like, he had a legit acting career. Yeah, that's just on me though. That's just me being stupid. Well, I think I think a lot of people are in the same boat as you. He's in a lot of not great, you know, straight to video type stuff, but he's he's pretty solid. I'm a big fan of his, especially surviving the game. <clears throat> Uh, so I covered Montreal's Fantasia Fest over the last oh. couple of weeks. So I saw Damn. saw a bunch of stuff at Fantasia Fest. I'm not going to talk about all of it uh, on on this show, but I have reviews for almost everything that I saw there up on the site currently. I can talk about a couple highlights. Um, the one was a film called Bodied which is the new one by uh, Joseph Kahn, who did, uh, he did Detention, which I was a pretty big fan of. Not a lot of people liked that movie, but I was, I was into it. And he did uh, uh, Biker Boys, I think. And 
He's a, he's mostly a music video director. He's done a lot of music videos, but his his only other two feature films were Biker Boys and Detention. So this is his third feature, and it is produced by Eminem, and it's about underground rap battle battling. Okay. And it is sort of uh, sort of this satirical takedown of maybe not takedown, but sort of exploration of our current cultural climate in regards to like PC culture, you know, like every, everything, everyone is so, so sensitive about, you know, what they say and everybody is sort of, we live in this sort of outrage uh, society where everybody's just getting upset over everything that's said, you know, and this is sort of a critique on that. It doesn't really, I don't feel like it really pushes the argument uh, one way or the other. It just sort of explores it in relation to underground rap battling. And if you're familiar with rap battles, uh, they're very offensive. That's sort of the goal. Think of it as a comedy roast, but done back and forth in rhyme form. Right. So it's about this, uh, this white dude, who is writing his uh, graduate thesis on the use of the N-word in hip-hop lyrics. And he's for research, he starts to attend these rap battles, and he ends up becoming friends with some of the rappers. And after attending one of the battles one night, he gets challenged by one of the people there, and he ends up winning the battle. And it sparks this... Uh, this love for rapping in him. So he starts competing and stuff and it sort of goes from there, but it's uh very funny. It's the, the dialogue is very, very sharp, very pointed dialogue. It is, uh, you know, some of the lyrics in the battles, there's a lot of rap battles that, that are on display and almost everybody in the film, other than a few people, the, uh, the protagonist being one of them, everybody else are actual rappers. Um, and it's, uh, it's quite good. I really, I really enjoyed it. YouTube red actually picked this up, so it'll be out. Hmm. I don't, I don't think it has a release date yet, but, uh, it's definitely worth a look. Uh, the music's pretty solid in it as well. And if you're familiar with Joseph Kahn's, if you're familiar with like detention or, I, I never saw Biker Boys, so I can't. I don't know if that's the same, but it's sort of got this um, like meta vibe to it, where there's like some fourth wall breaking stuff, and like he, like sometimes dur- like during the rap battles when people are like mimicking certain things, they'll actually like animate it on screen so you can like see different mm. things pop up. Which is pretty. It's pretty interesting. It's he. He does some interesting uh, stylistic choices with it, but uh, definitely recommend. Uh, it's it's pretty. It's pretty good. I saw Puppet Master: The Littlest Reich. This is the uh, I think the eleventh. No, maybe the twelfth movie in the Puppet Master series. It's like the eleventh or twelfth. And I so I don't know if you remember like a couple of years ago, I set out to watch the whole Puppet Master series 
I didn't I now, didn't make it through. Did I don't I yeah, don't think failed. I made it through all of them. I ended up stopping at the time there was like one more that I needed to watch and I just couldn't do it. Since then, like two more came out. So this oh. this is the latest one. And it is uh, a pretty big departure from all of the other Puppet Master movies in a lot of ways. One is that it's it's written by S. Craig Zoller, who did Bone Tomahawk and uh, Brawl and Cell Block 99. Uh, one of the things that I like a lot about his movies is the dialogue and the, the script. I think that his writing style is uh, it's very witty. And it's very sharp, and I, I like his scripts. So that was the main thing that drew me to this movie. The other thing is you have a pretty decent cast. You have Thomas Lennon uh, in the lead, and you may know him from okay. like Reno Nine One One, Viva Variety. Remember that show? I do. <laughs> I do. Unfortunately, yeah. What a horrible show that was. I can't believe that was on for so long. You have Barbara Crampton in there. You have Charlene Yee. You have Udo Kyer in there. It's a pretty solid cast as well. So I was like, all right. And then like the poster came out. It's a really good poster. I don't know if you saw the the poster, the red and black and white one. Look it up right now. Really solid poster. So I was like, all right. I'm I'm kind of on board with this. I'm I'm interested. I like the original Puppet Master movie, the very first one, and maybe the second one was okay. But I like the concept. I like the design of the puppets. I thought that the 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 franchise fell apart over the years, and it eventually it just turned into an utter mess. It's sort of like the Hellraiser movies, where they just turned to shit, and then they just got worse and worse and worse. So this is sort of a, a return. This is like a reimagining. This is a reboot of sorts. It it's not uh it's not a direct sequel per se. It I think that it assumes that you know at least a little bit about this the, the puppet master world, but it does stand on its own. because uh, they they do a pretty decent job of explaining sort of the backstory of of Toulon and him making these puppets that are sort of these demonic puppets that kill people. And the premise of this is that there's this Toulon convention and people from all over are bringing their puppets to display and to sell at this auction that they're having. And it takes place in this hotel that's, that's near where Toulon lived. And guess what? The puppets come back to life and they kill everybody in the hotel. So Thomas Lennon and his friends have to try to get out of the hotel before the puppets kill them. The, uh, the puppet design is pretty good. There's a lot of new puppets that were never in any of the other ones here. Uh, most of them are, are pretty decent. Uh, some of them don't, don't look great. The, uh, the gore effects are all done practically and they're like, it's super gory. I mean, this movie just, it, it just revels in blood and guts. It's really, really, really gory. So if you have a problem with extensive uh, amounts of people getting like their heads chopped off and disemboweled and all that stuff, like uh, 
might, might want to avoid this one, but it's uh, also sort of a comedy. It definitely has more comedic elements than any of the other ones. Unfortunately, the comedy mostly didn't work for me and the editing was, was kind of uh, all over the place. Like there was just random nudity and it was just so, it was just super low brow. So like there'd be this like really great line, you know, of dialogue that was really funny and witty. And then like they would, the next scene would just be like this random couple having sex in the hotel and then getting killed. And it just didn't really work. Uh, yeah. And unfortunately that, that's just kind of how I felt about the, the whole movie. It, some aspects of it were fun and goofy and then other ones, I was just like, oh man, I'm not, I'm just not really into this. I mean, it's, it's certainly a step in the right direction. I think that they already confirmed that there's at least one sequel for this in the works. And I, I don't know if they're going to bring back the same characters or not, but at any rate, I would say if you're a fan of the Puppet Master series, check this out because it is certainly the best one probably since the original. It is a, it's a good poster, by the way. Yeah, I, I really like the... Uh, I agree. I agree. I really like the poster. The last one I'll mention is The Man Who Killed Hitler and Then the Bigfoot. <laughs> <laughs> now, you read a title like yeah. that, which... What an amazing title. You know, I, I reviewed like some of the other movies, like there's one called hurt and then there's like one called pledge and there's these like just generic boring reviews. And then you get to the man who killed Hitler and then the Bigfoot, and you're just like, all right, now we're, now we're talking. That's how you do a title right there. This I have plenty to talk about. Yeah. Obviously this is a movie that stars Sam Elliott as this World War II hero who killed Hitler. And his job in the war was to infiltrate the Nazis. And he, he went undercover and he killed Hitler. He assassinated Hitler. The German government covered it up. The um, U.S. government covered it up. And he sort of faded into obscurity. But the government didn't forget what he did. And as it turns out, Bigfoot, they, the, the government knows that Bigfoot exists and it's in Canada and the Bigfoot contracts this, uh, this disease, this virus that is extremely contagious and it kills pretty much every living thing that it comes into contact with. Uh, so all the wildlife is dead in within a, a specific radius of where the Bigfoot is. So they go to Sam Elliott and they say, look, you're a tracker. You tracked down Hitler and killed him. Like we need you to track down Bigfoot and kill it. Yeah. So he reluctantly signs up to do it and he goes and he, uh, hunts down Bigfoot. The weird thing about this movie is you, you see, you hear the story, the synopsis you see the title you see the poster and you're just like oh man this looks like it's going to be this like crazy like goofy sort of creature feature that's like over the top and you know full of action and stuff but it, it is not it is not that at all like this movie is very mismarketed 
really what it is, is it's about him having uh, flashbacks of his time in the war and reminiscing about his wife who passed away. And so the film, the film jumps back and forth between his time in the war and his um, relationship with the woman who would um, go on to marry him. And now where he is living his very sad life by himself with his dog. And the, the Bigfoot stuff is like maybe 10 minutes. It's very short. <laughs> I'm just going to say it. I'm just going to say it right now as a warning. Like just go, go into it not expecting that. Like he kills. I mean, it says it in the title. He kills Bigfoot. He kills Bigfoot in like 10, in 10 minutes. It, the movie is more about the man and what he's done for the country and how he feels about the lot, the life that he took. And it's just, it's a great movie, but it's so, it's very bizarre. Cause it is not what you expect. It's not, it's not violent. It's not very violent at all. There's almost no action at all. Yeah. I don't see him keeping that title. It just, very, very I odd. Then you gotta keep that title. I, it's gonna get changed to like Bigfoot Killer or some shit. It's just gonna killing Bigfoot. I, I think there's there's gonna be a lot of people that don't like this movie because of what it <laughs> it's is. False advertising. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I can I can foresee a lot of people like as soon as credit roll, they just go, "What the fuck?" Yeah. Yeah, I just, I, I don't know. Um, I, I thought it was great, but it's just not not what you expect at all. Sam Elliott is utterly fantastic in it. And it's this, it ends up being this like oddly bittersweet story about a lonely old man who just misses his wife and loves his dog. <laughs> it's... Not just not what you would expect at all. Yeah, that is bizarre. Yeah. Again, that's uh, the man who killed Hitler and then the Bigfoot. Let's talk about some new releases in theaters. We got Christopher Robin coming out this week. (laughs) Dude, I, I am very excited for this movie. I am completely sold on these trades. Have you seen the trailer? Any, I have not. Before you completely dismiss it, watch the trailer. It's preferably the second trailer they released, and tell me that it doesn't look amazing. I don't know. I just don't have any desire. I did. I didn't either this. before the trailer. I saw the trailer and I was like, okay, that looks like exactly what we need in this world right now. It's sort of like, I feel the same way about that that I felt about Paddington 2. Like, I, I watched Paddington 2. I don't, think, I don't think I even talked about it on the show. But I watched Paddington 2 and absolutely loved it. Yeah, I gotta watch those uh, Paddington movies. I, I still didn't see the first one. I only saw the second one. I, I didn't feel like I was missing out on anything by jumping into the second one. 
So many unanswered questions for you. I don't think it's... You need to see it, the first one. The whole origin story, dude. You know, I don't... I just... They sort of recap it in that in the second one. I don't know. I just don't feel like you need to see the second, the first one. Anyway, okay. Christopher Robin looks incredible. I can't wait to see this. Uh, we got the Spy Who Dumped Me coming out. Action comedy. Kate mm-hmm. Kate McKinnon, Mila Kunis. Not uh, terribly interested in this one. No. Got the Darkest no. Minds. That's a uh, young adult adaptation about. Kids with superpowers. I'll be skipping that one. Got the miseducation of Cameron Post coming out. This is the. Uh, there we go. Yeah, this is the. There we go. The new um, Desiree Akavan film. Saw this at Sundance. Pretty much loved it. Got Never Going Back. I'm really excited for this one. This is one that I really wanted to see at Sundance and didn't get a chance to. It's uh, about two two uh, two girls who go on like a road trip. Looks funny, yeah. and uh, I don't know. Have you seen the trailer for this? Are you? Do you know anything about I'm this not, one? But uh, I don't. But the way what it's about sounds like eighty thousand other movies. So I think I can skip it. I don't know about that. I heard I heard really good things. So no, it's the same. I don't know about that. I one. can feel it. I can just feel it in my bones, Adam. I okay. All right. <laughs> we got night comes on. It's another big festival movie. Not I don't know a whole lot about it, but I I heard good things. And we have the Forest of Lost Souls. This is a. Uh, Sort of a, I think it's a horror movie, or maybe it's just more of like a thriller, black and white. Uh, we have a review for this coming out, um, probably by the time you listen to this or shortly thereafter. Uh, Chris saw it, he did not like it very much. The they got that line underneath that says, Sadness will last forever. Yeah, it's sort of a uh, a play on the suicide forest. In, in Japan, but it doesn't take place in Japan. I think it's in like Peru or something. Okay. VOD this week. On Tuesday, we have Buckshot coming out. Got Anything. We got Larger Than Life. The Kevin Aukoin story. Mm, mm, mm-hmm. August 3rd, we have Like Father. That's the uh, comedy on Netflix with Kristen Bell and Kelsey Grammer. We got Night Comes On. We got Forest Lost Souls. And that's pretty much it for this week. Wow. Yeah, pretty light week as far as theaters and VOD. I mean, there's some big biggies in theaters, but VOD is pretty, pretty empty. Blu-ray this week. We got Piranha 2 The Spawning from 1981 coming out, directed by James Cameron. All right. If you want to hear more about this, I think we had Ryan watch this, didn't we? I'm pretty sure we had Ryan watch this on an early episode of Ryan Watch's movie. Sounds familiar. 
Village of the Damned from 1960 getting a Blu-ray release, as is House of the Dead from 1978. Overboard, the 2018 version, coming out. (laughs) (laughs) Didn't that just come out? I don't know, man. (laughs) I thought that was just like last week or something. I don't know. That Jim Carrey movie Dark Crimes is coming out on Blu-ray as well. Ooh. Yeah, not so sure about that. Didn't hear very good things. Oh boy, and that's pretty much it. There's like nothing. <laughs> there is nothing this week. That is a that is a terrible week. Yeah, there's absolutely nothing coming out. Wow. What about Criterion? Do we have anything on Criterion? <laughs> nothing. Nothing on no Criterion. Criterion. Is it a holiday? Am I missing something? I don't know. Is it? Maybe it is. I don't think so i guess i guess when you get into the august that's when there's like nothing it's yeah people 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 are going outside and stuff so they're holding off on the releases movie releases we're not going outside because it's just way too hot it's too hot to do anything it's too hot to buy stuff All right. I think that's going to do it. Thank you so much for listening. You can send us your questions and topics to feedback at filmpulse.net. You can follow us on Twitter at filmpulse.net and at filmpulsekevin. If you have a minute, take a look at our Patreon page, patreon.com slash filmpulse. Consider helping us out by becoming a subscriber. For Kevin Rakestraw, my name's Adam Patterson. We'll see you next week.